0: Human beings of the world. It's time to enter the spoilerverse through our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in Mutual Downtown Seattle. With John and Kenrick, welcome to Spoiler Country.
1: Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social media's that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoi.net. But, if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country,
2: and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or, you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com.
1: United Armies of the Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That's Mr. Horsley, and today on the show, well, it's writer of Family Guy. Yeah. Uh, writer on Titus. I think actually he was a, a gopher at first
2: on Titus. That gopher, nice. A, product, a production assistant. Ah, same thing.
1: Yeah, and now he has written his own comic book, Mr. Patrick Megan. I'm super excited to talk with him. He was... Well, I was super excited to talk to him because I already did. He already did. He was awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean it's and, and from everything you said after you were done talking with him, it sounded like it was a really, really great interview. And he's a very It is a good one. Yeah, a very insightful, smart man to talk with.
1: Yeah, he's got he's done a lot of things in his life. Uh he's an activist. Uh he's willing to be arrested for the things he's be, he believes in, which uh I, I I told him on the I told him on air, I was like, Man, I'm super impressed by what you do because the things that he stands up for, I believe in as well. I mean, he saw the hotel unions w- walk out on the way the hotel workers are treated. Yeah. And he stood with them and got arrested with them to picketing. Uh, he got arrested for the Occupy Wall Street movement in LA. And, yeah. you know, he was, when he spent time in jail, he, he met Tom Morello and he'll tell that story of what happened. It's pretty funny. That's cool. I mean. Yeah. Uh, there is some controversy, and he addresses that on his comic book. Yeah. Um, with Because he talks about, he his book is about LA during, before it was California. I think, I believe it's actually still Baja, Mexico. I might be wrong on that, but I believe it was. Yeah,
2: late, late 1800s where it takes place with the Tonga tribe yeah. and stuff.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to step on anybody's toes, so I don't want yeah. anybody to get the wrong thing. But I read the book talking with the man, I think he addresses everything very respectfully. I really do. He spent 10 years researching. This isn't something he just threw out. Right. You know what I mean? He loves historical fiction. He wanted to write something in that time. And it's a part of American history. Yeah. So I think before you prejudge, listen to the man, read the books, and I think everybody would be uh, surprised.
2: I, I mean, yeah, at, at least if nothing else, read the book and then, and then make your opinion for sure.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, damn, you want to just sit back and listen? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, here's Patrick Megan in his own words. Hey, welcome back, guys. Uh, Today on the show, we're excited to have Patrick Megan. Thanks for coming on, man. You've done Family Guy, and you're a writer on Titus, and you once shared a jail cell with Tom Morello there's not yes, much you so haven't done things are true <laughs> <laughs> what was Tomarello like what was that all about so honestly
0: i uh i don't know how much of that story you've heard uh all I, can I know really is tell you this story if you want yeah uh,
1: i'd love from, to hear it because all i know is <laughs> you're in jail with him and he used a he used your calling card that's all i know
0: okay well i mean that's most of it honestly like i had seen rage against the machine at uh like Lollapalooza at the gorge in george as a matter of fact yeah, uh, up in up in your hood, and uh, not your hood exactly. But, you know. <laughs> but it's not like I was a huge fan. Like I was there to see Primus or whoever. So, yeah. uh, but then um, I got arrested at this protest. They put maybe forty of us, in, twenty to forty of us, in one big cell. Oh it's man. just a whole bunch of. Um...
1: Is this during the Occupy?
0: No, this wasn't the Occupy arrest. This was an earlier arrest for uh, hotel workers who were trying to unionize uh, oh, here man. in LA You're... by the uh, by the airport. So I'm, um, you know, they take away all of our, you know wallets and whatever. And I'm, uh, and there's a payphone like in the corner of the cell. And the only way you can dial out is if you have like a calling card number, yeah. but you, you have to have it memorized and nobody's got their wallets. So nobody's got a calling card like sitting in their pocket or whatever. So I'm just sort of like laying in my bunk bed and somebody yells out from the other side of the cell, like, Hey, does anyone know a calling card number? The rage against the machine guy wants to call Kevin and Bean, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> like these, DJ, these morning zoo crew DJs at K-Rock so i was like okay I, like i didn't even like i said really know tom morello yeah like as a artist or whatever but i i had a credit card number and I'm like all right so i went on down there and it, like i dialed in my credit card number and then i went back just went back to my bunk i didn't even like hang out to like i didn't know like maybe he was calling his mom maybe <laughs> he's calling my mom like i don't know so and i basically forgot all about it until like a couple of years, three or four years later, I was playing, like, Guitar Hero, and there's, like, a level where, like, one of the mid-level bosses you have to beat is Tom Morello, and he comes out, like, his computer image comes out. And I'm like, oh, my God! I was in jail with that guy. <laughs> that would
1: be so, so weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, but like I said, that you know, that's... I, I didn't even know if he ever got on the air. It's not something I ever followed up on or yeah. asked anybody about. But, like, somebody... On Twitter, like just sort of sent out one of those, you know, Twitter questions, like, "Hey, what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten or whatever?" But this one was like, "Oh, what's like a weird like uh brush with celebrity or something?" said, yeah. And, and I tweeted that I was you know, I gave my calling card number to Tom Tomarella so he could call Kevin and Bean. And immediately, like a producer from Kevin and Bean reached out to me oh and wow. then, and, and said, we want to have you on the air. We still have like audio of that call. And uh, which, like I said, it, it was news to me that he even got on the air. And then Tom Morello, like, tweeted, like, this is true. That happened to me. That was, like, the one call that I made. Instead of a lawyer, I called Kevin and Bean. So whatever. <laughs> weird claim to fame, That
1: is weird. You know, my, my only cl- brush with celebrity really is I smoked a joint with Tommy Chong outside of Giggles Nightclub in downtown Seattle.
0: That's kind of awesome, but you're probably one of about 80 million people who yeah. smoked a joint with Tommy the, Chung.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, you go oh, outside. to be
0: fair, probably a lot of people have been in jail with Tom Marilla too.
1: Could be. Could be. It was, it was a lot of fun, though. I mean, it was just Chuck. like three of us, and we just sat and bullshitted with them. This is like... I don't know, like a month before he got busted for selling bongs online.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah.
1: It was it was it was yeah. cool. I mean, it's you know, if I'm going to smoke a joint, I don't smoke weed anymore, so if I'm going to smoke a joint, it's going to be with, you know, Tommy Chong. That's the guy. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the guys. So you, I saw you, they just celebrated 20 years with, uh, for Titus and you That's were on the, uh, Titus podcast. How was that?
0: I mean, it, it's awesome. Like Christopher Titus is like so authentic. Like what you see on, I his, that show. And on his podcast, it's 100% what he is yeah. like, for better, or for worse. Like he probably would be so much huger if he had more bullshit in him, but he just does not have enough bullshit in
1: him. Right.
0: And, uh, so it was great to, to see him and to see Zach Ward, you know, after, So long away from those guys, and uh, just go. Oh yeah, I remember like what a fucking psychopath you were. And like,
1: (laughs) I I, that show. I don't know. It wasn't on long enough, you know. And I just I love the show because it was. I don't know, like the reactions that they did to fucked up shit was real. You know what I mean? It's like, you feel like, oh, that's an actual reaction someone would have.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And it was all like uh base, like every single episode was based on something that happened to him in his real life, which ended up being like kind of a weird get out of jail free card that he was able to use again and again. Like there were multiple sort of notes meetings where that I was in where, you know, a studio or a network executive can be like, we can't do this episode because you know it's about your mom killing herself and he'd be like, Yeah, so and then be like, So this is supposed to be a comedy. We can't do an episode about your mom killing herself and and because it's not funny and it just is sad. And Christopher Titus would go, Yeah, but it actually happened for whatever reason. Like every time the response would be, Oh, okay, well then you can do it. <laughs> like Fox never had like it never had somebody who would be like, We don't care that it happened. That's bullshit. You know, right, we're, right. we're still not going to put it on the air like every single time like like he played that card and they'd be like oh all right well you know enjoy here's 22 minutes of national television time but uh, enjoy yeah enjoy and then but you say there's a lot of like dark stuff on that episode and, and like i said you know it was based on stuff that would happen and then we would shoot these things those episodes like they were plays basically like if you've ever been to a you know record like a taping of a live action show it's it's terrible it's the worst and you know it's like oh really oh yeah never 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 go okay if you're ever like going down (laughs) venice you know the venice boardwalk and there's a guy with a clipboard it's like hey do you want to go see a taping of you know whatever is the half hour sitcom you're like and uh you think oh that sounds fun like it's not fun it's the worst it's they they will reshoot you know the first scene seven times eight times and it's you know after the first time it's not it's not funny anymore but they yeah. tell you you got to keep laughing like it's the first time you've seen it and then you know then they'll move on to the second scene and they'll do that again and again the whole thing takes you know 4 or 5
1: hours oh my god it's, for 22 minutes it's
0: <laughs> interminable so but Christopher Titus, an episode of Titus they shot the live action parts just straight through from beginning to end like a stage play and and then you know there would be like cutaways and uh, the neutral space dialogue so that they would have pre-taped so the audience would just kind of watch the scene and then like look up on the screen and see the you know pre-taped you know flashback or pre-taped so uh, New yeah. space thing and then look back down and then there's the next scene and then after that first sort of run through would be over and it would have like that good energy Christopher titus would grab the microphone and say it was an episode about like oh you know somebody attempted to rape his niece He'd oh be like, uh, you know, OK, so this was based on something real. And my niece is here. Like, stand up, Amy. Stand oh, up. God. And this poor, like, you victim, <laughs> crime victim. Right, sure yeah. Stand up and accept applause. Like, you know, people are like, great job, you know, being almost assaulted. Wow. And, uh, you know, and she'd have to sort of wave and she's, it would be. Be so awkward, but you know that was my that was my introduction to television.
1: What, so Titus was your, was the first TV show you worked on?
0: Uh, yeah, it was the first TV show I wrote for. I was a, uh, I was like a PA on, which is productionist, so is just like a gopher yeah. on a show before that called Dharma and Greg. Oh yeah, which was very not like Titus, right. um, uh, But Titus was the first show that I wrote for.
1: Did they when you start writing for a show? Do they just take it off of your experience? in your degrees or do they give you somebody to, Hey, here's a mentor.
0: Well, definitely nobody is writing on a show because they have a particular degree. Right. In fact, I, uh, you know, I, I actually do have a film school degree. Yeah. Um, and I'm like one of the only people I know in any writing staff who does. And I remember <laughs> once, when I was on Titus, actually, I I realized, you know, I graduated from film school uh, like three years earlier, and I never even bothered to like get my diploma. And so one day, like on my way to work, on my way to the Titus writers' room, just like as a goof, I was like, you know what? I'll drive by USC. Oh, that's hilarious. And I'll, like, I'll get my diploma. And uh, and uh, so I went, I drove there, and I had like a whatever twenty dollar library fine to pay or whatever. So they just handed it over to me. And then and I took it into the writer's room and I sat it in front of me and was like, can I
1: swear on your podcast, by the way? Oh, fucking swear as much as you need to.
0: Okay, great. So it's like, okay, motherfuckers, like, here it is. Like, I got this shit right here. So shit's going to be running differently now. You know, yeah. you're going to start to address me with respect. And it was like I brought a moon rock into the room. They were like, <laughs> oh, I've never seen one of those. It got passed around like it was Bigfoot's turd or something. We could not, you know, like rat their heads around like so any you know there's another piece of uh, you know advice to anybody listening don't bother going to film school you'll just make a joke out of yourself
1: <laughs> oh wow yeah writing for family guy and working with seth Far- mcfarland what kind of experience was- is, has that been? Is it kind of surreal seeing how big of a stratosphere of a star he's become?
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, a good buddy of mine, uh, Steve Callahan, started at Family Guy as a uh, writer's assistant. And then, you know, now he's an executive producer on the show and at various points has been the showrunner on the show. And he talks about oh, wow. it, when the show first started, Seth MacFarlane just kind of was in town, kind of didn't know hardly anybody. And, like, Steve, yeah. like, would do, like board game nights just like for fun and like would invite Seth over. And Seth like actually came over to play, you know, whatever, sorry and shoots and ladders and whatever. And that's just Monopoly to me, and shit. It's, it's <laughs> uh, impossible for me to wrap my brain around that now because he's such yeah. I mean he's whatever. He's a billionaire.
1: He's like larger in life right now. Yeah, it's kind of exactly. crazy.
0: So um but you know like he he created something like awesome and fun and funny and he created it on his Kitchen table, really. Like he was an animator at you know Hanna Barbera. And then he would go home at nights and he would spend his time just sort of drawing out the pilot presentation that became family guy. You know, God bless him. (laughs) I owe so much to him. And he's just a great guy all around. Like I my introduction to him actually was having come from Titus, where Christopher Titus is such a confrontational figure and And he and uh, was matched up with the showrunners, uh, Jack Kenny and Brian Hargrove, the uh, former of which in particular is also very confrontational. So I saw them just fight and fight and fight and fight all the time. But it was always about. Oh, wow the show right it was always about sort of like yeah. what's the right joke what's the right scene what story makes sense what story doesn't make sense but it would i mean every day they would be screaming at each other in full volume and then i, I wow. and then when that show finally died i became a writers assistant on this pilot that my showrunners Jack Kenny and Brian Hargrove were now working on with this guy named Seth MacFarlane who had had a show called Family yeah. Guy that had gone three seasons and then got canceled because Fox canceled it, right? Right. So, so we're right. doing uh, these live action, uh, this live action pilot now, and it never went, but it was called Simon. And I would see Jack do that same sort of like conflict fight, like kind of what he had spent the previous three years kind of in training to do, right? And whenever he and Seth would disagree on a story point, say, right. And Seth would always, always back down and say, okay, all right, you're probably right. And Jack would be like, okay, great. Okay. So we'll put my thing in. Right. And then we'd we'd move on. And then maybe about eight minutes later, you know, or three pages further into the script, Seth, like out of nowhere would be like, but you know, I'm I'm still thinking about that one thing back, you know, three pages before. (laughs) So Jack would roll his eyes. So we'd have to go back three pages earlier and Jack would, Again, enter into battle for his story point. And Seth would just kind of listen and nod politely and go, Yeah, okay, all right, you're probably right. Like, didn't want to in- engage, didn't want the conflict, right? And and Jack would win right. again. So, like, okay, good. All right, so now we're going to move forward and blah, blah, blah. You know, seven minutes later, eight minutes later, Seth, hey, but I really liked, I really <laughs> i am thinking a lot about that first thing. You can't and, let it go. And he would just wear Jack Kenny the fuck down. And, and, <laughs> Always ended up getting his way, but, like, not what Titus did, right? Didn't get his way because he happened to yell the loudest, you know, or happened to throw a chair the hardest. Just got his way because, like, his vision was was sort of so specific, and he was willing to kind of wear you down, not through, you know, conflict and, you know, direct confrontation, but just sort of, like, kind of not giving up on his vision. And that's yeah. that's who Seth MacFarlane is. Like more often than not, when he can see a thing, like it, it's the right thing, you know. And so he's just a fucking genius. Like whenever he's not in the room at family, the writers' room at Family Guy anymore, like that has not been the case right. for a few years. But when he was,
1: he's doing Orville you now, right?
0: pitching a joke, right? And Seth was yeah. listening to you, and then partway into the joke or partway into the whatever your pitch is, like he would look down and start scribbling something down, like sketching something. You knew it was going in because what that meant was he already was seeing something in his head. And so, and so from that point on, it didn't matter what the rest of your pitch was. Like he saw it, he knew what this was like, here's a sketch. He's going to hand it to somebody here. You know, give the animators this, it should look like this. And like you're golden, your joke is in. So yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you know, you're lucky if you ever work with, you know, one of those people in your life and, you know, I, I, I don't expect to ever work with a
1: second. Well, I got to ask you, though, when you're working for somebody like like him or he, or Christopher Titus and you write a joke and, and they like what you're doing and they're putting it in. What is it? You know, what I mean, does it's that the feel best like?
0: feeling in the world. It, it, it honestly yeah. is. It's all everybody in that room. Certainly me, especially me, is like positive that they're a fraud, that they're the one person in the room who doesn't belong. Stealing money from the company And like at some point Like somebody is going to walk in and point to you And say that guy doesn't belong here And there's nothing you'll be able to do But kind of gather your things And apologize and leave But when if Seth laughs at your joke Or if Christopher Titus laughs at your joke It's like all right, maybe I'm not Total fraud. Maybe I'm only half fraud. And that's about as good as you can get in this town.
1: Imposter syndrome.
0: That's 100% what it is. Yeah. If, if yeah. you get a day where you feel like I'm only half an imposter, that's, you know, you can't ask for a lot better than that. Unfortunately.
1: Oh man, I do yep. that all the time. <laughs> like I'm working, I'm, I'm talking with people. Am I doing this right? Are they enjoying themselves? You know, I have, I've had a few people on that were uh, obviously not having the best sure. of times uh, because you know, Sure. It is what it is, because uh, they're, they're on to, to promote, yep. and that's it. So they don't want to do the, the yep. thing, which is fine. Yep. I don't care, you know. But there's been times where I've had people on, and they really opened up, and they really got into it, and then it feels good. You know, it feels it different. Does. Absolutely. And, Ken,
0: Rick, let me just say, I'll yeah. come on whenever you want. All right. Oh, thanks, that? man. We got
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. That'd be great, because I, I got a feeling there's a lot going on. I, I only had a chance to go through some of your stuff, and I was like, oh, this kind of sucks, because you've done a lot. And like last year, you, you're up your, episode Trump guy, yep. they, they put it out there to, for up for Emmy, right? Uh,
0: they did. That was the show that family guy submitted for Emmy consideration because it is family guy. It did not get nominated for an Emmy, but, the, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> we gave it our best shot. Uh, but yeah,
1: it's still funny though. But out of all the episodes, they picked yours and, uh, that was Trump guy. And then, uh, what's the other one? Island adventure. Yep.
0: Um, I also, By, uh, I also Steve wrote the Simpsons Callahan. guy episode, the uh, the Simpsons crossover. That was that was super fun too. When you're talking yeah. about like good feelings, See, that's awesome. like, What's it feel like? Like I, you know, I guess like a lot of people, I um, I, I grew up on the Simpsons, and uh, you know, it's it's a big yeah. part of why I am who I am and stuff. And uh, when I wrote that episode, we had the table read and. It was I I, I don't know if, if everybody knows this or not, like even though it's got, you know, Family Guy characters and Simpson characters, like I think maybe in some people's brains they think, Oh, so both writing staffs work together on this, or maybe the Family Guy writers wrote the Family Guy character jokes and the Simpsons writers wrote the Simpson jokes. But that wasn't it. It was it, yeah, was, it makes... was all Family Guy writers for everything. And the Simpson folks, you know, gave us notes and told us, you know, please don't have our characters say this or that, which was fine. But they were actually, you know, very light with that. Like, and we, you know, yeah. We, I, I like to think treated their characters with great care and reverence because we all love the Simpsons and, you know, it's our idols. But having Dan Castellaneta, like, at our table, like, delivering, speaking <laughs> the lines that, like, you wrote, like, holy shit, that is 100%. Right? You know, Did you get goosebumps? Yeah. I'll, I'll be like, I, I'm probably going to, like, on my deathbed, like, some of my last phrases will be like, it was Dan Castellaneta reading a joke I wrote. <laughs> They'll be like, "Yeah, but what about your kids and your grandkids?" You'll just be They'll saying, oh, Homer. Oh, I don't give a shit about them." But Dan Castellaneta appeared to like some of my jokes.
1: <laughs> It'll be like Rosebud. People are like, right, "What is exactly, he saying?" Exactly. <laughs> Homer, <laughs> Homer. <laughs> oh man, that is awesome. So what do you like doing more? Do Cuz now you're you're breaching into the comic book realm. We're a big we love comic books here. We, we branch out and do all pop culture, but we you know, we always come back to comic books at some point. And now you're breaching into that, but you've written movies, TV, now comics. Is there a medium that you're you're falling in love more with the other or is it all just being that well, creation?
0: comics is super fun, obviously. As you know, that's why why you yeah. are who you are right but uh like i yep. it, to me i'm still so new in it like i really consider myself sort of a guest in your guys's house and like i just want yeah. as best i can to sort of like not not break any of your precious vases or you know track track mold <laughs> on your carpet or whatever right because like
1: no track it all over the place what comic books are good for man you can do anything you fucking want that's that's well, the beauty honestly,
0: of it like that's why i started doing comics and with this most recent project is because like, you know, if you want to make a movie, right, you gotta talk somebody into, you know, gotta talk some movie studio into like, uh, sinking, you know, whatever, 20 million, 30 million more of their money into making this thing. And if you want to make a comic book, you can just fucking make that comic book like you need to get three or four, yep. you know, sort of geniuses on board with you. And like I have been super lucky, I'm like in every step, like I've ended up with just amazing people that have made this possible. But like if you get those two or three people, you know, who are willing to take the ride, like you can you can just tell your goddamn story. And you know, there have been projects where I was like, okay, well, I'm a TV writer. I'm going to, I've got this TV idea and I'll go out with it and like, all right, maybe somebody likes it. Maybe somebody likes a part of it, but like really we need you to change it into this other thing that it's not. And then you have to sort of ask yourself like, all right, I just kind of lost the thing that means something to me. Do I care enough about it at this point to sort of move forward with it? And which she, and which she feels, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't want to have to make that sacrifice. Like, honestly, like it was impossible for me to envision a, uh, television executive, like looking at this project and going, Oh, I smell money here. Like, yes, you know, yeah. but, uh, cause I'm a history nerd and it's a fucking history nerd comic book. It's a history nerd comic book with, you know, lots of stabbings and stuff, but, uh, you know, ultimately in yeah. and, and some mother daughter story and, You know, the protagonist happens to be indigenous and stuff. So there were just sort of a lot of things that like just kind of might make people go, maybe not this. And the more I sort of dug into the story, the more I was like, I'm I just I want to take this ride. And if I can get two or three other people, the two or three other folks who I'm going to need, if I could get them to do it, too, like. I want it to happen. I just want it to exist. And so that's why, that's why comics has been so great. That said, you know, working in animation has been a blast because it's just writing jokes all day long. And that's, that's (laughs) awesome, you know? And like when I was working live action, like that's great too. And you know, obviously (laughs) if I had to do that to pay the bills, I would certainly do that. But there's, uh, in, in live action, there's a fair amount of downtime, right. And a fair amount of, um, you know whatever hanging out at the craft services table with uh, actors and other people and like i think i just kind of don't like that like i'd rather just kind of like yeah just kind of keep working and just sort of cranking out fart jokes and shit you know and and a family guy <laughs> that's what you get to do is you're like oh you, you like to 30 yeah. days like writing diarrhea flashbacks like welcome to family guy and uh Fortunately, that's that's what I Welcome enjoy. So, um, <laughs> are
1: you still writing for Family Guy?
0: Yeah. Oh, good. We're on hiatus right now, but we actually are doing um, uh, rewrites of you know screenings that have come back from various stages of the animation process. We're not writing any new episodes yeah. right this very moment, but like I said, we're you know doing rewrites on um, in-process episodes, and of course, with in these new times, as we like to say. Uh, you know, we've been doing that over Zoom. And so we just just yeah. rewrote an episode uh, crazy. just uh, this morning on Zoom that, you know, it'll still be a year or so before it gets on the air. But yeah.
1: that's so crazy. So, yep. She Kills, where can people see the first episode right now?
0: So, uh, the first issue of She Kills or read is uh, for free. Uh, all of the issues will be for free, but you can find it for free on shekillscomic.com. Nice. Yeah, so we're putting them out one a month again for free. And so if you go to shekillscomic.com, the very first issue is out as of this past Wednesday. I started doing uh, the reading research for this thing more than a decade ago. And uh, just the yeah. other day, because I was curious, like I went into my hard drive. I'm like, what's like the earliest, like I started writing stuff down for this series. And it was uh, in July, yeah. July of 2012. So <laughs> it's been, it's been a long goddamn time that like, I'm like, what are you working on, Pat? Like, oh, ah, yeah. comic book with people getting lynched. And, uh, and like now I can finally just sort of say, I'm working on that. See that thing right there. It's, yeah. it's that.
1: that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is so different than what you've done before. I mean, cause this is a serious overtoned book. Yeah. That when you're reading, not only is you're trying to, you're trying to be as historical accuracy as you can be uh-huh. to represent a group of people that that you know you're you're not a part right. of, <laughs> right, right. So you're trying to be as as respectful and and everything as you can. That's a lot of work, man. And then to bring it forward, did you read anything else to get to this point to to go? How do I how do I even? like wording, uh, bubble formation, lettering, colors, all that stuff kind of comes into the planning stages. Yeah, 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 So I
0: was super lucky to get uh, hooked up. There's this guy named Joshua Hale Falkoff who sort of like is uh, straddling both the comic and the TV worlds. And he hooked me up with this uh, – he was the first person I went to. He was like, hey, I got this idea and I really – think i want to do it in comics and um you know where do i start and he's like well you got to start with an editor you got to start with somebody who knows the comic business and he hooked me up yeah. with this woman named uh, ashley victoria robinson who um i was lucky enough to be able to hire to be my editor and has she's really been my shirt but through this whole Process. Oh, that's like awesome. before before I met her like I honestly you know what even does a comic book script look like like I had the funniest yeah. idea I probably still don't really know but I have a, at least a slightly better idea now um but she sort of helped me to figure out like you know what really is the right way to structure the stories that I wanted to tell and um and then helped me to find like the talent that I needed including Gabo who Um, Had worked with Joshua before. He uh, has been the uh, artist for this book, you know, for the past several years now.
1: The art looks fantastic.
0: He's incredible. He's amazing. And I got me uh, hooked up with Taylor Esposito as well, who does the lettering. And it's just amazing. And then the covers are by Adam Gorham, who is a fucking wizard. And uh, so at, at every step, like I've been so lucky to get hooked up with people who are just way, way, way smarter and more talented than me. That is for goddamn sure, and <laughs> have helped me sort of figure I out feel how like to get out of my own way and sort of tell the story. But I mean, the research process was, yeah. you know, like I read books. I, like just the historical research, probably triple digits and sources and stuff. Yeah. Uh, also, when I knew that uh, the protagonist was going to be a, a poor person, a worker who in Los Angeles takes place in Los Angeles in this particular time, those were those were yeah. indigenous folks. Those were natives. So I reached out to uh, one of the local First uh, Nation communities and they hooked me up with an elder who consulted on each and every one of the scripts that I wrote. And uh, read uh, read them all and, and gave me his notes and they were super, super invaluable. And he just guided me, honestly, sort of through every step of of that process, which was so great. But I mean, ultimately, you know, this is a story that like it's fiction and uh, it, it, it has yeah. like an actual sort of historical, you know, active of like historical violence in the background and then a whole lot of fictional violence kind of in the foreground and the two stories end up sort of like intertwining in a way that will take many, many issues to sort of play out. But, but yeah. it's, I was just, I fucking love it. And as I was sort of sitting down to kind of write this story and I knew the world that I wanted to write about, right. And I knew, you know, who some of the main figures were like, as I was kind of sitting down to write, It happened to be the time that my daughter, uh, hit her teenage years and that, uh, was a new experience for me and for my wife and, um, and especially for my wife and my wife and my daughter, uh, who always had like a very awesome relationship and still do like, that awesomeness now invited it involved a little more fighting than it did before. And so that ended up becoming sort of the spine of the story, like this, this mother daughter kind of teenager mother sort of like, uh, you know, conflict. And so like, I've sort of been calling it like Ladybird, If Ladybird was like a, a bonus chapter in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. But yeah. again, you know, the, uh, it's like actual shit. I, I just love it. I, I need yeah. to do a better job of pitching it. I'm trying to get better at it, but I'm not better yet. Uh, but I really do encourage you. Hey, we got it. If you haven't read it, it's again, it's totally free. I'm not trying to get any money out of you. Just go to she comic.com. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Read it before you judge it. Check it out. Solomon. You know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait to actually read it. Cause I, I th- looked at the, the website, checked out the art, and you know, went through everything. I was like, "Oh, this looks amazing!" Now I can sit back and actually have something new to read, so that'll be exciting. I
0: I may I I should also say like I don't know maybe I shouldn't say this or maybe I should. But when I started kind of writing it, even and especially once I realized yeah. like I want to make this a comic, like I kind of went out of my way to not read. <laughs> to not read any other comics for a while. Cause I kind of did, I didn't want to feel like I was like copying something that was already out there.
1: Oh, that was that was going to be my next question too. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. So you just kind of had a vision. Yes. Got the right people involved and yeah. executed yeah. it.
0: Um, tried to anyway, the yeah. few times that, and honestly, like the few times that I did go out there and sort of try and see like what, what's out there that is kind of like this, like, like the more often I sort of saw, Oh, there's kind of not really anything that's out there. Like a lot of like historical comics that are like, I went and I looked for, like I would find them and it'd be like, okay, this is, uh, the French army is invading Russia, you know, uh, uh, uh behind Napoleon and they go into this Russian town and it appears to be deserted, but it's full of zombies. And we like, all that's not right, on. Yeah. So then yeah. Okay, oh, oh, Captain Cook is sailing around the world and he he lands on some island and all the natives are gone. But wait there, there, there's zombies. And like, all right. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently there's nothing like this <laughs> out there.
1: <yeah>. There's zombies. <laughs> you know, you should uh, check out. I don't know if you ever read it. It's called Mouse and it's M-A-U-S. Have you read that one?
0: The Spiegelman book? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Honestly, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Sacco. He, uh, yeah, he, Mm -hmm. honestly, he was the, his work is what kind of gave me the real inspiration. Like this is a story that you can just go, even though it doesn't feel like it would be a comic book story, you can go ahead and make this a comic book because his work in, you know, footnotes in Gaza and, you know, and, uh, like illustrating days of destruction, days of revolt, Chris Hedges and stuff, all this like nonfiction comics was, I mean, to me, it was like, whoa, I didn't know, I didn't know you could do that. And so, so yeah, absolutely. Like, and Mouse, Mouse is amazing as well.
1: When I think of a fiction, a, a fictional book that is based on true events or based on a yeah. true era, you know, uh, Historical fiction, I guess is what they call it. Yeah. I always think of mouse. Yeah, it's amazing. So you got anything else planned? You got the three books coming out, and then any other books in your head that you're like, now I want to write this? Well, so the three books are are just the first
0: volume. Oh, nice. uh, But this series is going to go for long past that. Like, we're... We're, we're well past that in the, in the creation of it. So we're going to be going once a month for quite a while. There was oh, I an- love it. Yeah, there was another oh, nice. story idea that I had that was like, uh, and I was working and actually started, um, it, it makes me so sad even to like say these words, but I, I even started sort of outlining it. And it was based on, it was another like a historical story that I was embellishing the fuck out of, but it was uh, based on uh, the success succession uh of the uh, los angeles times uh, chandler family which you know uh, uh was sort of like basically a billionaire los angeles family in like 1960 when the patriarch of a family was ready to step down and was trying to decide who among his children he would sort of bequeath his media empire to and then uh this tv show succession came out and i watched you know the first couple of episodes and my heart just sank because A, you know, the world, it's different time period or whatever, but it's the same sort of like spine. And B, it was so good. It's so good. So I had to stop it. I've only seen the first two. It's like might be the best show I've ever seen in my life. And I've only seen two episodes of it. I was like, okay, first of all, I need to go back and like completely sort of retool, you know, this world because I can't I can no longer write about, you know, like privileged uh, media family, you know, succession fight. But whatever it is I do end up writing, I don't want to feel like, you know, I'm stealing characters that are already existing on an HBO television series. So that hurts my heart, too, to know uh, probably one of the best television shows ever is out there and I I can't watch it.
1: Do you have any plans on trying to do any kind of directing? I mean, you've been doing all this stuff for so long now I kind of I mean, it's it's Hollywood, so you can't pick and choose what you want to do until you get to the stratosphere of someone like Seth MacFarlane. But. The fact that you've done all this stuff kind of puts you in a unique position to do things like to put your your face and your name out there to want to no, do. No, no.
0: I guess like it that. kind of would depend. First of all, like you said, it's Hollywood, so you don't just get to do something just because it's something that you want to do, right? But even in an imaginary world where right. that was where that was true, where that was the case, like it kind of would have to be like a story that like means something to me, right? Like she kills. As I mentioned, yeah. it's been an incredibly long process, but the reason that I was willing to take this again, more than a decade long journey is um, because I, I I fucking love these characters and I love this world and I love, you know, historical fiction. And so, so I was willing to do it right. Like if I had sat down and be like, okay, I'm going to make a comic called, you know, I'll call it she kills and it's about this thing. Okay. Well, why are you making that thing? I don't know. It just sort of seems like something that might be popular. Like I could have maybe kept, you know, that effort for, I don't know, three weeks, three and a half weeks, but I get, I right. get, I get worn out, right? You get I don't fucking care about this thing. I'm just sort of making this thing. Cause I, I'm guessing that somebody else might like it. Like that wasn't the case with,
1: it's a money grab at that point,
0: but yeah. And that wasn't the case with she kills. It has been so rewarding to just sort of like make the thing. Cause I love it. Not because, not because I think somebody else might like it. I don't, but hopefully somebody else does. Right. So it, it Yeah, I want to, as best I can, if if it's at all possible, I want to, I want to follow the example that I'm setting for myself here of like, yeah, you know, if I get an opportunity to direct something and I love it and I, you know, I'm willing to suffer for it, then like, awesome, we'll do it. But like, if I don't love it enough to suffer for it, then like, just again, just sort of stay in a place that's very, very comfortable to me writing jokes about, you know, Meg's tampons, you know? (laughs) <laughs> it's what I know.
2: It's what I can do.
1: But with a comic book, you've kind of set up the the bar to say, "Hey, this is what this would look yeah. like on the screen." You've set the shots, the angles, the character, de- the you know, the costume design, the character development. Everything's yeah. there. You know, would you be um, open to that?
0: Maybe under the right, I might not. I honestly might not be for this particular comic book. I might not be the right person to sort of like take it to that next step. Like honestly, like. I think I would love it if She Kills would get on, you know, would like take it to that next step, uh, would possibly sort of like, you know, get into being a series. But I would really love it if it was uh, native and and indigenous talent, um, both, you know, voices and uh, art talent and directing talent and producing talent that sort of took it to that next stage. Like I would I would love to sort of hand that, that baton off and go, okay. this is sort of how I told this story the best way that I could, among other reasons, because I, I didn't yeah. see a lot of other people telling a story set in this sort of place and time. But but there's probably yeah. and in fact, I'm positive there are other better ways to tell this story. And like I would love to sort of give it to somebody else to, uh, you know, to take it you know, that much further down the field. I would be that's honestly my dream for She Kills. And that's. It's probably a pipe dream, but that's that's what I would love more than anything else. But 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 short yeah. of that, that's It's cool. fine, you know. I'll just keep sort of running this comic book out there, and uh, some people will see it and dig it. Other people, you know, w- maybe will see it and, and not dig it so much. Most people will just kind of not know it's there because there's a lot of shit on the internet, and that's fine. That's fine. The
1: yeah, keeps, there's a lot the of world shit. Keeps spinning. Well, we'll do our best to get the word out for it. Oh, you're so there. You nice. go. You. Well, Patrick has been almost an hour already.
0: How did that time go by? I don't know.
1: I don't I don't know, man. It just kind of creeps up on you, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, <laughs> holy shit. I, actually, you know what? I wanted to ask you. You do a lot of activism, and you've been arrested multiple times for your activist work, and I think it behooves people to understand the man that, that's doing the work that you're doing, and that you might not realize that you're out there really fighting for people that are... Not in the same bracket as you, based on your talent level and the things that you've done, but you're there in the trenches with them, like on Occupy New York and Occupy, uh, Occupy not New York, but uh, LA, right? Hotel workers, yeah. So I find that inspiring. Just so so you know,
0: oh, that's that's very nice.
1: Because I don't think I have the balls to sit there like that and show up and say, there's like eight tents out there. And you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get my tent. I'm going to provide water for these guys. I'm going to do whatever I can. And I'm, when they get arrested, I'm getting arrested. And you were like one of the, what, 292 people were arrested yes. at that time during the whole yeah, yeah, Wall Street were, movement? Yeah,
0: it was it's about 300 people that got arrested, and I was one of them. Like, honestly, so much of what I do... <laughs> Uh, this maybe is to me like demonstrating that I don't deserve those nice words that you just said, but like there's a l- a lot of the activism <laughs> that I do is uh, is just so that yeah. like when shit goes really goes to pot, like I can look at my kids and go, well, I tried. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, things didn't work out, yeah. but I-, I gave it my best shot. So it's like so. <laughs> Just basically being able to uh, sort of like uh, point the fingers at other people and kind of get a free pass for myself in, <laughs> in my children's eyes. That's but you all know I what? want. I just want my children to blame people other than me.
1: But you're treat you're you're treating you're teaching your kids amazing ethics and moral values that a lot of people don't. You know they let they let the uh, the boob tube teach them. They let screen time teach them, and and actions is so much more.
0: Uh, Maybe, but like I might just sort of be teaching them that all that shit is terrible. Like I used to take, you know, like sometimes I'll go door to door, like knocking on doors for candidates. Right. And uh, when my daughter was like a baby and then like a little toddler, I would take her in the stroller. And um, and that was great because it would. Automatically, kind of defuse like anybody who came to the door, like they couldn't connect because there was a baby there, and they'd be like, "Oh, that's so cute!" Like, all right, I'll take the flyer for the (laughs) candidate. But like, when my daughter was old enough to talk, like one of the first things she said to me was, "Like, Daddy, I don't want to do that anymore." So, so maybe I'm just kind of teaching my kids like activism is horrible, and and you should no one Uh, would ever want to do. I,
1: I got a feeling that when they get older and they start thinking back, they're going to think it's pretty cool. I think, I, I mean, well, I think it's nice cool because right? I was like, God damn, man, you've done. And then you have, you have a great YouTube, like a five parter talking about all the shit you saw once the cameras got off and the arrest actually happened and how they broke the chains and every how they broke the human chain link and everything. It was like, that's a crazy, crazy scenario.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I got, uh, I had somebody reached out to me, uh, so I wrote like just a blog post about it and, uh, and somebody, yeah about my arrest. It was just like a one, like a, just a one post blog. And, uh, somebody saw it and was like, Hey, can I, come interview about it and post it on YouTube. And I'm like, yeah, no. sure. So the, yeah, that's what that is. It's, it's not really
1: mine. But. It's not really yours, but it's still really interesting. And it's you talking sure. about the whole thing. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs>
0: it, it's, it's, me, it's me yammering. It's you yammering? Sh- it is me yammering, but I'm not the one who posted
1: it. Oh, uh, well, shit. Hey, man, you know, one of the things that we do on this show, and we've had Frank Gogol do it. He's He just had like, he like won the best independent comic book last year for this one called Dead End Kids. And then he has a new one out called No Heroin. And we d- we've done this with Stephen Frank. You know who Stephen Frank is? I don't. Stephen Frank was the animation supervisor on the Iron Giant. He is doing. He, oh, he's,
0: fucking! That's my one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I should know that shit. Yeah, he
1: was the animation supervisor or the animated head animation animated guy or whatever. Uh, I can't. I don't know how to explain the title uh, on Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. And okay. he was also he's you know he's directed. But he's just an amazing talent. That's insane. He he yeah, did a whole comic I feel book like series, like, the
0: heel, like, the, like that amazing
1: work, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. That's okay. A lot of people. It's, your- I'm always shocked when I when I talk about him. People are like, Oh, I don't know who that is. I'm like, Oh my god, you got you got to check out his shit because he's doing comic books. And his first set was called Silver. It's amazing. It's okay. it's a grift, and it's Ocean's Eleven inside Dracula's castle. That's really what it is, and it's it's fucking awesome. I love that. Yeah, and now he's got a new one coming out. He did all that in black and white, and he he not only does he write it all, he draws it all. He does that. He does one hundred percent of everything, and you're just blown away. But the reason I brought those guys up, and we had a this other guy named uh, Kevin Joseph, and he does a a book called Tart, which is amazing that I would highly recommend. We had these guys come on. uh, Yeah, Tart. I've seen. Oh, you have seen Tart.
0: I've seen. I've seen Tart. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. So yeah, it is. We have these guys come on, and we have them pick their books, and then we do a page by page DVD commentary on the on the book. So then <coughs> audiences come in, and they can follow along on their own comic, and listen to the creator talk about each page and, and why this happened, and all that kind of stuff. And we just do one, you know. One thing, we ripped it off from from Frank Gogol. He came to us and said, hey, I want to do this with you guys. We're like, cool, let's do it. And then we're like, oh, this is cool. So we've been doing it ever since. <laughs> it's a
0: great idea.
1: Yeah. So if you want to do something like that, once your books are all out and you want to pick one, and if you're interested in doing that, I would love to sit down and kind of go page by page, and we can actually talk about all the different things about your book and how it came together.
0: I would 100%, 1
1: billion fucking percent do that. That Yeah. I would, I love that. Yeah. Do that whenever you want. Okay, cool. Well, how about, so the first volume, the last one comes out June 10th. So the first one came out April 8th, everybody knows. The next one is May 13th, then June 10th. Shekillscomics.com. Yep. And, oh, actually, shekillscomic.com, not plural. That's right. And I would suggest everybody go out there and get there. Patrick Megan, I so much, I Appreciate you coming on, man. Ken, Rick, I, I really appreciate you
0: having me. Thank you
1: so much. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Okay, all right.
2: So that was uh, that was a lot of, I and mean, that was interesting and, and, and very insightful, and not only just his uh, his way of looking at things, but just his whole whole thought process of, of writing the She Kills book and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an interesting book. I can't wait. He's going to come back, yeah. in June, and we're going to do a comic book commentary track on it. Oh, nice, nice. So that'll be a lot of fun, and we'll go page by page, and he'll go over everything and why he did this and why he did that, and yeah, that'll be super a lot of insightful fun. man. Pretty f- has lots of stories. He's 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 a good person to have on. Uh, his stories with with Titus Christopher Titus was really good because <laughs> it's like you know he he. Christopher Titus is just a blunt man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he said if he played the game a little bit more, he'd probably be a much more popular person, But he didn't. especially with TV. Yeah. Uh, because his, his show was, I don't know, did you watch Titus? I did
2: watch Titus. I liked the show.
1: It was, I thought it was tremendous. And yeah, I don't know. It was good. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. And, you know, all the stuff that he has to talk about with Seth MacFarlane, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to have him on
2: again. Nice. I, I'm excited for the commentary. I love, I love our commentary tracks. They're a lot of fun. To, I love the fact we get to see in, into the mind of the creator. So, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you guys go. There you go. That's a show.
1: That is a show. Thank you so much to Patrick Megan for coming on. If you like that and you want more interviews than you can shake a stick at, then head on over to, uh, well, spoilerverse.com. Yep. And there is a massive amount of content for you to enjoy all for free.
2: No paywall, no paywall. You can, with no paywall, you can get over 330 episodes of this show right here. Spoiler country. You can get over a hundred episodes of bridging the geekdom over a hundred episodes of nerd talk lips, over a hundred episodes of haphazard adventures, dozens of episodes of all the other shows we have on there. New ones coming out. Seemingly every month, A new one comes out with from us and, the, yeah. and you got articles, you got reviews, you got press releases. I mean, there's just so much content out there that you would be remiss if you didn't go check at least check it out. And then yeah. go to your podcatcher and subscribe to our show and then subscribe to every other show on our network because yeah. you wanna you wanna find them all. And why don't you tell them how else they can help us? Well, you know, we have a T public store where you can go buy <laughs> t-shirts and, and 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 face masks and coffee cups and posters and whatever, and you can just click on that off the website on store and take you right there and go buy a t-shirt from us or from the, the from the spoilerverse network or from one of the other shows, and all that money goes to help keep what we're doing going.
1: Yeah.
2: And there you guys go. Well,
1: actually, Johnny, there's one more thing. Oh, okay. Actually, two more things they can do. Two more things. What was that? What's that? Okay. One, you can go to your favorite podcatcher and look up Spoiler Country and subscribe so you get all the newest episode. And two, go to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to it on the web and drop us a review because that
2: super helps us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that helps us. I mean, the reviews are so great because one, we get to hear from you what... But- you think of our show and two it helps us improve and helps other people find our show
1: yep all right we're out of here we got a big guy coming on next and yeah. we want to have time to to, to prepare How to prep for, for that. that prep for that so in oceans the podcast we are cthulhu and as cthulhu compels you to do open the mind and read more